describe people with various diseases and sicknesses. But it was, it is written, they all went home rejoicing. There is something about evening meeting. It is a meeting that when you stretch your hand, everyone under receive a blessing. And so tonight we thank you that we shall be blessed. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed. Amen and amen. Please welcome someone beside in the name of the Lord. Let's take our seats, please. Good evening, church. Good evening, church. Welcome to the men's convention 2017. Who's happy to be here? Who was here yesterday? It was a wonderful session where dad taught us on the two types of callings, the general calling and the specific calling. If you weren't here, please listen, listen to it and get the tape. We're going to start off with our courtship panel today. And commonly, it may be, some people may think that it's only focused on youths and only youth, we can do it in the youth convention and such, but every parent here has a child or knows someone that they can advise because we know the world is moving in a different direction. So we're going to call a few people who will join Apostle Reverend Oma at the table today to start the discussions. Shall we please give a hand as we welcome Dick and Zach? Thank you. And shall we also give a hand to welcome Sister Rebecca, his lovely wife. Shall we give a round of applause to Pastor Debbie Ahamefula as we welcome her to the panel. And shall we give a hand to our pastor, Pastor Chuku, as he comes to join the panel. So we'll start off with a few questions which have already been given for this courtship panel. Um, let's just confirm it. Could we start from Sister Rebecca? So the panelists will introduce himself and just a brief uh, introduction of yourself and how long, how, long? how long you have been married for. Um, hi, church. My name is Sister Rebecca Hemans. Um, 
I've been married for slightly over three years now. Um, it was three years in May this year. Um, my name is Dick and Zach Humans. Um, Yes, um, and I too uh, have been married slightly over three years. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for your time. Praise the Lord. My name is Pastor Debbie, and I've been married for 27 years. Good evening, church. Good evening, fellow panelists. I'm Pastor Chuku, and I've been married um, 21 years this March. All right. My well, each one of the people on the panel will address, we will give them five minutes each to share with you what the biblical um, perspective of courtship and after that session, uh, Mommy and I will we'll give them another two, two minutes to summarize. And then Mommy and I will now, you know, um, um, summarize the whole thing. And we, we will also give room for questions. May they finish. So if you are married, what we are saying today will affect the marriage. It's not, we're not concentrating only on courtship. Because not everybody is involved in courtship. We'll be looking at preparing for courtship, you know, finding a, uh, a right partner. We'll look at courtship, then we'll look at marriage, so that everybody will be, will be um, blessed. So we'll start from Pastor Chuku, then Pastor Debbie, then the newly married. We have been married for how many years? 34 years. So we can carry on. Praise God. I think 34 years deserves more of that, more of that kind of handshake. Praise the name of the living Jesus. Firstly, I want to say that some of us would be here today, and I just wanted to say that Christian courtship, when I was looking at it, I just thought, Christian, courtship is courtship. Uh, Christian courtship is just when it happens between two people who are born again, and know that they are trying to build something and they're trying to get into a relationship that is long term for life quite frankly and it is nothing like Christian dating so I just wanted to put that out there um, Christian dating doesn't come in so it's, um, that is actually a misnomer but in terms of um, courtship looking at it Solomon, one of the wisest men, and I think he would know a thing or two about love, was telling us, and he mentioned it in three different places in um, Songs of Solomon. One of them is um, Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4, where he said, Do not wake up love. And he said, O oh, daughters of Zion, all of us uh, are, as women in the house, um, and even as young men, we should not wake up love before uh, we are ready for it. One of the things with love, even as a young, as a, as a, especially as a young person and as a mature person, once you get yourself entangled with that sort of affair, you very rarely can concentrate and focus on anything else um, because that more or less just takes up the whole of your time. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. 
you're trying to build also um, you're trying to build something something very lasting um, it's um, and, and that's something that lasting is a marriage you know you're just asking yourself can we two work together the Bible talks can two work together if they are not agreed so you're now coming to know each other beyond just where the church uh, where you come to talk about you know you see each other in church oh hi brother hi sis and so on and then you go home you're trying to know yourself more than that it's and when that happens it is you're trying to build a relationship that christ himself will be the center of we know from the account in matthew chapter 2 that jesus himself god himself um that for for those of us who want the new testament for the old testament the the statute is there as apostle always tell us in genesis chapter 2 um, genesis chapter 2 verse 18 19 and all of that that marriage was instituted it's god that actually found that marriage should be so what you're now coming to do as two people caught in is you're trying to ask yourself are we looking at how can we build a relationship together can we live together do we agree enough um for instance one person could be going to a church where you they believe in when they say a prayer one person says amen three times and the other person believes well if i say in the name of jesus that prayer is actually answered so you need to sort of iron out those very intricate and little things and, uh, and begin to affect your mind and begin to affect the way you actually see the scriptures um deeply um you're starting out to disprove the mathematicians um you know with the mathemat- with mathematicians they'll say one plus one is equals two you are trying to say that one plus one is equals one and that's the mathematics of god which um, no mathematician no statistician could understand but you are starting out to actually prove that that is actually possible and because god will enable you to do that um now one of the things that with christian courtship the you will be having quite a lot of in-depth conversation in that in-depth conversation you find out that when i looked at it i thought joshua chapter 1 verse 8 this book of the law will not depart from you okay will not depart from your mouth and then when it goes on to talk about you being able to prove what is god's good acceptable will and all of that so you are going to be able to do those things but you need the word of god you need to be mature in the word of god because the more you're now beginning to test each other out are you mature enough can you and the other person who is not perhaps not as mature will be looking at can i look at living at the level that this person wants to be um and 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 stuff like that for instance if one person believes that i must observe all the hours of prayer regardless um and you don't believe that you need to do that it's at that courtship stage that you now begin to look at all of those things and bring them all in one praise the name of the living jesus now the other thing is learning styles um the bible tells us in in um hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 so look at those ahead of us look at the out look at their lifestyle and the outcome of their way of life and emulate what is good so you see young couples young professionals who are in church who also you respect the way they lead their lives you respect that you actually aspire to some of the things they do uh, in terms of uh, some of their spiritual their spiritual life you copy that you copy it as well as get close to them to be able to look at how you can improve your own self going forward 
Praise the name of the living Jesus. Praise the Lord. Courtship, Christian courtship. Christian courtship is different from the way um, the world do this. Because unfortunately, Christians have now adopted the way the world do courtship. Courtship is different from dating, like Pastor said. Courtship is not a place where you have um, trial and error. Oh, it's not a place where you, some, you just want to try every girl or you want to try every boy to find out which one is suitable. Christian courtship is a period where after you have sought God and you have found out that this is God's will for you, this person is God's will for you to be a husband or to be a wife, then that period of courtship is when you get to know each other. The period of when you get to know each other has nothing to do with sexual relationship because if you have to have sexual relationship in courtship, you are sinning. Because the Bible says that we should not be indulged in sexual immorality. Sexual relationship is only endorsed in marriage. So in courtship, that is when you get to know each other in terms of planning the future. What is the future holds for one of, each one of you? What is your plan? What is the vision that you have for each other? What, that is the period then when you now decide, okay, in five years' time, what am I going to become? Or when am I going to get married? That's the time you start planning for your marriage. That's the time that you start planning for what children are you going to give back to? How many children are you going to give back to? What are the future of each one of these children? What plans do you have for them? You know, one of the scripture I can cite is in the book of Matthew chapter 1, where Mary was meant to pledge to be married to Joseph. And the Bible says that when they were pledged to marry, to, when, they, when she was pledged to marry to Joseph, they did not know each other in terms of they did not have sexual relationship. In that time, it was an engagement. I don't think there's anything different between courtship and engagement when it comes to Christian courtship. And maybe Apostle will throw more light into that. But unfortunately, in Christendom, we've adopted engagement, thinking that it's different from courtship. The reason why some people, um, maybe I would say, maybe if you are not spiritually sound, in the time of courtship, if you feel that you are not sure that this, hus- this man that I'm betrothed with or that I'm cutting with, I'm not sure he's going to be my future husband, then there's an opportunity for you to seek the Lord. And if you know that it is not God's will, then you back off. Apostle always tell us that even if it's one day before you pledge to get married and you're not sure, you can easily just back off. But that's not supposed to be. Because as Christians, before we enter into courtship, we need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. But if you are not sure, then that's when you need to now decide that, look, this is not going to work, so I better back off. But to my own, my own advice would be, if you, have not, if you are not really in courtship yet, then you need to seek God. 
But if you are in courtship and you know that your courtship is not in line with God's will in terms of you are compromising, you are sinning, then you are not doing it God's will. Courtship is a period where you lay the foundation for marriage. And if you do not honor God in your courtship, guess what? When marriage comes, you will have problems. So we need to be very, very, very careful when it comes to courtship. Courtship needs to be handled in a Christian way. And if you handle it in a Christian way, by you taking God along with your relationship, then God will be honored at the end of the day. Amen. 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 Um, uh, for me, um, I can only echo the points that are made by Pastor Chiku and Pastor Debbie. Um, I think what the issues that we have in this age that we live in now, and I can speak as a person born in uh, the last uh, uh, or born in the, the last 33 years, is that um, what tends to happen is we, we as a, not this church, thank God, but the church as in the body of Christ tends to, uh, instead of us being uh, the forerunners and us being the one that influences the world, we tend to take a lot of influences from the world. And as things like uh, Tinder and online dating and they become very popular, they tend to seep into um, our culture as Christians as well. So I would like to echo the point very firmly that there's no such thing as Christian dating. There's no you can't go from church to church looking for girls or looking for guys. Um, it's just not in any way what the scripture um, has uh, shown us from Genesis. Um, God created man, then he created woman. Uh, he created woman out of man. And when man saw woman, he, he looked at her and he beheld her and he was pleased. He was satisfied with her. I, I don't know if, if, if in the scripture it showed that God created a million women for Adam to look at a million different women, then to consider a million different women, then maybe you'd have an argument. But he created one woman, and therefore your wife is in one place. And if you don't know where she is, you have to ask the one that created her to show you where she is. That being at one side with regards to courtship, courtship, like um, Pastor Debbie said, is the foundation of a solid marriage. It is necessary, like a foundation for a home or foundation for a building without a solid foundation your marriage cannot stand and if you build your foundation on anything other than the Lord like the scripture says your house will fall but even going further still Jesus said before you build a house you must count the cost there is a pay, there's a, a price you must pay uh, and that price comes through communication a sacrifice um, compromise you need to come together as two families and two nations and devise a strategy and a plan that will uh, not only take you forward but take you higher uh, in God um, so it's very very important that foundation you lay is uh, is key uh, for everything that will happen thereafter lacking everything God is the God of order the beginning is just as important as the end and it's very very important that you start on the right foot it's unfortunate that some relationships start in a negative way and 
we hope that they get better. Um, but in God, relationships start in a pure and beautiful way, and they only grow in their pure, purity and beauty. So uh, that should be our aim in courtship. Um, last point I will say before I um, hand over to my wife is the fact that um, we shouldn't we shouldn't um, seek in any way, or we shouldn't feel in any way that we are missing out because of our Christianity. The, the, the Bible says creation is waiting in eager expectation for the manifestation of sons of God. We have to stand out. We have to be different. We manifest in our marriages. We show people how it should be. And we cannot allow the things of this world to enter into our marriages so to dilute what God has created. Any form of compromise with the world, whether it be in life or in marriage, will only lead to peril. So my advice is that start as you mean to go on. If you start, when you start in God, continue in God. Go deeper and higher in God. Don't go to the left and don't go to the right. Continue on that straight path and God will be the head of your home and he will guide and direct your hearts. Amen. Um, a lot has been said already, but um, I think um, if I can add anything to what has already been said, is especially from the woman's perspective, especially girls that are looking to get married or are um, established professionally and in their career, and they just want to think about getting married and getting into courtship. Um, I personally have always seen the idea of getting married quite as a serious thing because as I was growing up, you see bad and good examples of marriage. So you form an idea of what you want to have as, um, as a marriage. So when um, I, I used to think of courtship, and I still think so, I think in line of marriage. So when you are uh, considering entering into courtship, again, like most of the panelists have said, you, it's the time for you to assess the person that you're in courtship with. It's the time for you to think about what, what is going to be of this marriage, of this relationship after, obviously, um, when you get married. And uh, um, scriptures like um, Ephesians chapter 5, um, when the role of the wife is very much described and is glaring, um, have always guided me in that when... Um, when the age came, when, we, when I was of age to, to get married, I was always thinking if someone approached me, is whether I can submit to this person, both spiritually, mentally, and physically. And um, other things that for me were very important, again, was the fact, Apostle always says that you do, um, for certain people, but I believe for everyone, because marriage has been ordained by God, so the people that ought to be married, God knows who is the best person for you. Um, I had an auntie very close to me, and she was like, a prayer when before she met her husband was, God, give me your best choice. And um, I just want to emphasize that because for young women, it's very important to be close to someone that you can emulate in terms of the way they pray, in terms of the way they go about their spiritual life. And... Um, off the back of that advice, my soul prayer was, God, give me your best choice. Like, I don't want to start thinking about what I want. 
And um, because I'm one of those people that when I pray, I just leave it to God. So um, because of that, um, like Apostle always says, I focused on my studies. I focused on what I was going to achieve. And I think some of us are very much career-driven. So you do not necessarily think about who do you want to marry or when you're going to marry. I always tell my husband that if I had my way, I wouldn't have gotten married as early as I did just because I had so much that I wanted to achieve. And I think it's very important as a woman because, like I was to say, men can really woo you, can really make you look, make you see things that are not actually there. So it's very important for you to know what you want, what you're looking for, so that when the wrong person comes, regardless of what they're talking, you can really see through who the person is. And um, if I can add something else, is that... Um, Again, we've said courtship is important in that you have to fish out all the things that you think, oh, this cannot be dealt with. This is not something I can cope with afterwards. And there is no fear in going back. I think a lot of women like um, Dick and Sachs said feel like, oh, if I miss this one, oh, my God, what are people going to think about me? You know, did I not? Was that not good enough for him that I've been left alone? But there is something about getting God's best choice for your life that, you know, that's like I was to say, so when you, when you, when you get what, when you get God, there's no regret with it. So in the same manner, when you get God's best choice for you, there's no regret with it. Now, I'm sure you all heard what they said, and you can pick information from each speaker. I'm going to give each of the four speakers two, two minutes again to summarize if they have anything to add to what they have said. Maybe they didn't have time to say that, and they will say that. And then, mommy will speak, and I will speak for five minutes, and then you can ask questions. Yes, Pastor Chuko, anything? Praise God. The, uh, what I wanted to say earlier, um, which um, is probably best left till the end, really, was the fact that when we look at um, marriage, um, there are certain things, you, you know, I was looking at on Sunday we were here and uh, I was looking at uh, Deuteronomy 29 or something like that, where Apostle was reading and in verse 19 he was talking about how we come to God. And so we have a mindset that God, this is how I am. Just bless me, and you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm good as I am. And that's how we come to go. Sometimes we sort of think that, well, you know, uh, marriage and courtship and all of those dating issues and stuff like that. God is not interested in that. But in in John chapter um, 16, um, and if I can please have it up because I just wanted to read out, read uh, from verse seven. John in trying to speak to us there. Um, and I hope um, I don't exhaust my two minutes before looking for John chapter 7. Praise God. Yeah. 
Okay. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come in. But if I go, I will send him to you. Um, it, let's just roll it on, please. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and, and righteousness and judgment. And in regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regards to judgment, and, and verse 12 and 13 is exactly where I'm going. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, he will not speak of his, on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And verse 13 uh, sorry, and that is verse 13. So basically what I'm trying to say there is the fact that in terms of marriage, in terms of who you are going to marry, God knows that person already. And uh, we've already shared that here. But those intricate things, even though we think God is not interested in it, when you allow the Holy Spirit, is it that courtship stage that you allow the Holy Spirit to come in? It's you that will build the bedrock to say the Holy Spirit will take control. Our decisions will be based on what the Spirit tells us. We will go away, not just think about the best solution because we know how to fix things, but we want the Holy Spirit to be the center of what we are trying to build. Praise the name of the living Jesus. Praise the Lord. I just want to add that um, in courtship, we need to be very transparent. Both parties need to be transparent with each other. Because if you base your relationship on falsehood, just know that the foundation is shaking already. And the Bible says that if the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? So both both partner, maybe husband-to-be, wife-to-be, needs to be open towards each other. Apostle always says something, that if, if, if someone tells you that he has this um, qualification and he cannot give you a proof, he cannot show you throughout your courtship period, and then later on, when you now get married, you now find out that this particular person is just space, everything has been falsehood, he has nothing. So we, we should not deceive ourselves in short. That's what, I should, that's what I'm just trying to say. When you are in courtship, that's when you are open to each other. You are, you, they sh- you sh- your partner should be able to know what you are earning. And that's the period that you need to discuss what about these finances. Because if your partner is like hoarding, and um, at the end of the day, he's a sort of person who's not open up, He's not given. He likes to just withhold. Exactly that's what he will do when you eventually get married. So we need to be open to each other. Because if you are not open, then at the end of the day, that marriage will not hold. Amen. Um, I think the only thing I will add is the fact that um, much like marriage... uh, Courtship is a type of uh, contract. You know, all, all you're saying, and before I say that, I'll say this. 
in church what tends to happen is when you find out or you realize that you like somebody in that way and you approach them what tends to happen for some people is the relationship between the man and the woman changes okay in church your relationship doesn't change because before you were friends and now you are friends with a purpose okay that's the only difference that's the only change your focus changes but your friendship doesn't at that t- at that time you are still as you were before it's still business as usual so it doesn't mean that um as in the world you can start doing things that the world do just because you're engaged or just because you're in courtship now as i go back to what i was saying before it's like a it's like a contract and the reason i say that is there is terms and there is conditions and uh, there's an ultimate goal and uh, both parties have uh, both parties are interested at any point during that period of courtship um it can be terminated so like the scripture says you have to guard your heart you cannot open it completely until the time when the i do's are the vows are given and the i do's are said because at any time before that very moment anybody can walk away from the relationship and if you have given your purity your virginity away on the promise that somebody said that they will marry you unfortunately that contract becomes null and void if you do not complete marriage so you cannot give somebody the goods before the uh, the contract is fulfilled it must be signed first and it and it, and it costs to sign so uh, that is the best advice i can give any young man or any young woman seeking to go into courtship and ultimately into marriage protect yourself protect your heart especially the young men a lot of times we'll focus on the women because obviously god made them of the fairer sex but the men your your role is to be the protector of your home is to be the protector of your wife if you're not protecting her and her heart before you marry then how will you protect her and her heart after you marry you have to protect her sometimes even from herself okay so that's all i will say please young men understand before you broach that subject before you take a step in that direction understand what you're undertaking and understand that it is a contract and god is the witness between you and your wife or future wife i just had one thing to say in terms of accountability um i think it's important if you start courtship with someone to make um people that are older than you are aware of it because like the bible says um the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so it's important to have people around you that pray for you people that can guide you and people that you can confide into so that you will not sin and regret praise the lord it's wonderful that the men put this up tonight I want to thank God for men. Let's put our hands together for them. We are looking at both courtship and marriage. Yes, or just courtship? Courtship, okay. Praise the Lord.
courtship is something that uh, is not based on only the two people that are affected. Courtship is based between both the family of the lady and also the family of the man. In this case, we have a church. In this case, we, we, are, we are talking, focusing on church, church-based courtship. Church-based courtship is, some, is uh, something that is based on the, like the Bible said, the older ones should teach the younger. Sometimes the courtship, in courtship, the woman might come and tell the mother or the parents. And then both parents will be praying and then guiding her on what step to take and what step not to take. I've seen people in time of courtship, they've, uh, they've, 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 they've taken a wrong way. How? It's either the woman is pushing, 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 or the man is pushing, pushing. With due respect to those of us that are married now, you'll be able to see clearly. You know, during the time of courtship, there is something that plaques or close the eyes. All you are looking is beyond what courtship is all about. And that is when you see people like a uh, uh, pastor said that don't wake up love. Courtship is not the time that you'll be doing a lot of things to subdue each other. And that is what you see in, in courtship. Even in the olden days till now, people subdue one another. People push people to temptation. People do things that you are not supposed to do. Like you all know the scripture from the book of Songs of Solomon or Songs of Songs. And that is where our brother also got that from. He said, be a wall. A time of courtship is a time that you want to be a wall and not a door. In time of courtship, this is how my mom taught me. And I always use it for us in this church. It's a time that you have arms length. Your arms must. But today, and the young man or the young woman will say, no, 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 that's the way it's supposed to be. I know you will allow me to touch uh, my son. The time of touch, courtship, you are not supposed to touch. And you know, like, hello, and rolling eyes. and No. It's a time that you have to take seriously. But I've seen a lot of young ones, even in the church. That's the time that they will expose themselves. That's the time that they will make sure if the man is coming from one corner, they meet the man there. If the woman is going, no restlessness. You just, you push, 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 push. That is not a good courtship. Courtship is a time that you join together in prayer. You know, not that you won't meet at the Bible study. I've seen people even in the time of courtship, they sit down together in the church. Wow. You sit down together in the church. You are not allowed to do that. And then we, we need to know each other. That's not the time that you'll be inviting yourself all the time out. You will see those of you that are married now. How many times have you invited yourself to go and eat now? You, you know, because money is not talking. The seriousness of what you have engaged yourself in is talking. You, because you are thinking of other things, you are thinking of other things, you are thinking of other, other commitments. These are the things that are supposed to 
be done during the time of courtship. Weighing each other and saying that, hmm, can this man carry my load? Or can this woman carry my load? That's the time you want to be more serious. To gain wisdom. Or gain knowledge. If you need to complete something, it's not a... I've seen people even during the time of courtship that they're falling and all the rest of that. They say, oh, no, even they, nobody comes to our bedroom. Nobody says, even if we have only mattress to sleep, it's fine. No, time of courtship is when you are thinking of, how is my bedroom going to look like? That is courtship. It's not something you are rushing. It's not something you are rushing at all. No, then you understand. Even if we don't, we, we manage. When you get there, you know that you can't manage. I remember during the time, because I'll use myself also as an example, I had courtship for 10 good years. I don't know how I manage, but I know it's Holy Spirit. And I have parents around me. I have my mother-in-law around me. I have, uh, because that one you can't even mention to my own mother, my own kind of mother. So like my mother-in-law, she's really a, a, a woman with great wisdom. Teaching you many things. Make sure you don't touch each other. Make sure you don't. Make sure you know someone saying, and they'll be teaching you a lot of things. I, I'm not. Uh, I will not be able to go there. But during the time of courtship, I said it's a thing of the family. You have to listen to both family, because some people might be talking right, some might be talking silly, but you still have to listen to those silly and right jargon. Then it's left with you to put your head together and come and think about it. During the time of courtship, you must remember the Lord your God according to the book of Ecclesiastes. In the days of your youth, your youthful time is the time of your courtship. You must remember God. When you remember God, God himself will lead you and take you through it. I said it's a family thing. Let me quickly uh, round it up as I look through, as we look through the book of uh, uh, Songs of Solomon. I said it's a it is a family thing. So in the book of Songs of Solomon there, these are the brothers of the lady talking here. Say so we have a little sister. A lot of you young ones, the, 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 the girls, make sure that your family is proud of you. Make sure that you are listening to it. So those of you that have brothers, they are so envious and they don't want that man to rough on you because they know what it is once you get into trouble. Say so we have a little sister. And her breasts are not yet grown. Do you know some of you now? When you get married, huh? Okay. What shall we do for our sister? I'm reading Ecclesiastes, uh, Sons of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 8. What shall we do to our sister on the day she's spoken for? If she's a world, we will build towers of silver on her. On her. And if she's a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. Shame. If you're if you a virgin, then you're a wall. If they disviding you, people bring white gown and they are dancing on the island. <laughs> they are not wall. They are door. But God has forgiven the time of the past. They've messed it up. Where before you are spoken for, the time of courtship is the time of training that you must listen. Those of you that have not been there, you must listen. Because once that thing comes into your head, is that you have not been spoken for. So why is it that? 
Look at what happened in Genesis 24. Genesis 24, Abraham's servant was sent ahead to go and do the work. Okay, I met uh, is me, I, my sister like your, your daughter, and my brother like your son. My sister like my daughter. You know that kind of a thing. It's not a rush thing. It's a thing where if it's parents, parents should talk and be talking. It's not a thing where people go crazy. It's in this era that I've seen. Yes, it's in this era that I've seen men. You are not married, you are still in courtship. You didn't go to the hotel, book party. Is that, uh, things are happening. Those of you that are not there yet, you must. Once, during the time of Christ, let me quickly chip this in. I know that is, we always meet in the library, myself and my husband. That is where we stroll in the evening to, the, to, to, to stroll to my house, in the library to study. Because I'm, very, I'm not very good with mathematics. He insisted I must know this math. Because it was my mathematics, instead of uh, having a, a distinction, a grade one, that took me to grade three. And insisted. That is the time of courtship. And it's very good. Every other thing very good. A is that I took in all these things. But the, the courtship was driving him to make sure that I become something, uh, somebody great in life. And in time of courtship, we are talking about, he wants to be a director. I said, please. When you get to that directorship, make me your assistant. You know, we are thinking of great things. And we are praying about it. So, courtship is not the time to be eating, spending the little money. They take you to pizza, you think that's the end of the world. Me, we are thinking big. And we are planning towards it. And I'm happy today. What has come up about it? Amen. Well... I think um, we learned quite a lot. The first thing is, you know, I will begin from is this. When you talk about, okay, let's, because I, I looked at the list here, and all the questions in this list have been answered. All right? Because I said list we are given. But the first reflection is this. Courtship and engagement. Which one comes first? All right. Let me help you know. What's the meaning of courtship? What's the definition of courtship? The action of attempt or of attempting to win a person in favor or support. Or a period during which a couple develop relationship before marriage. But the engagement is... A formal agreement to get married or an arrangement to do something or to, you know, in in case in this application is to marriage. Now, therefore, from what you have heard, it would be a waste of life for a Christian lady to be in a courtship because courtship is uh, an approach of a period. Engagement is one agreement is one day you engage so which means therefore that before you go into courtship you must be engaged engagement is an agreement to be married okay but of course we have situations in the practical life that you have relationship with an opposite sex but 
that person who is the man has not engaged you. Okay? If you meet a man, of course you want to know who you met. To be able to decide whether this one is uh, appropriate for you from what you have heard. Before the man engages the woman, your relationship has nothing to do with marriage. You need to know that point blank. Because courtship can only begin when there is agreement for marriage. Therefore, if a man has not engaged you and you begin to put your heart on that relationship, you may be disappointed if he walks away. Second very important thing that you have heard is this. If a woman, a Christian woman, has sexual intercourse before marriage, if the man leaves, it's always the woman is the one who always feels it most. Because the woman has not, uh, the man has not engaged you and the man has not brought you to the altar, if you open your nakedness to the man, you sold yourself for peanut, And it may end up in your regret. Now, when we're discussing a thing like this, there are some of us who have made that mistakes and we are passed through the regrets. In the audience, there are some of us who are about to make that mistake and this is for you not to go further so that you don't bite your finger. For those who have passed through it and they have made mistakes, it is an experience for you to educate those coming that, look, I passed through it, don't go that, that way. What about uh, the issue of virginity? Is it an old thing? Let me read a few scriptures to you on virginity. The first one I will read is the book of Luke chapter 1, 26, 27, which Pastor Debbie was talking about. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married. This is New Testament. To a man named Joseph. So there have been engagement, and now they are in courtship. Yes? So pledged to be married is engagement. Everybody knows this is my wife, this is the husband I want to marry. The whole people know that is engagement. Engagement is not somebody just talking to another person in the corner. That's no engagement. Engagement, it must be brought to the public. Parents must know. Everybody is aware and they approve and then you engage. Okay? So, but then if you look at it, it says, it was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So this clears it that in the New Testament church, a woman should keep her virginity until marriage. I dot my eye. Now, what about the Old Testament? In the book of Exodus 22, verse 16, it says, If a man seduces a woman who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price or she, will, she shall be his wife, and she shall be his wife. And we look at this law, God compels. If a man sleeps with any woman, that's your wife. 
if you sleep with a woman, you carry your own. You can't do that and say, I'm not married again. This is God. Then, when Abraham in chapter 24 of Genesis, verse 16, asked for his daughter to, his son to be, you know, he has his message, a servant to go and get a wife. He says, the girl was very beautiful. The man got there. Let me first read Abraham's uh, plea. Genesis 24, verse 1. Abraham was, was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant of his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my tie. Now look at verse 3. I want you to swear to me by God, by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaan, among whom I'm living. So when the, the man got there and found the woman, this is the report the man said, chapter 24, verse 16. The girl was very beautiful, number one. A virgin, number two. No man had ever lived with her. No man had caressed her breast. Nobody had uh, romanced her. She went down to the spring, hard working, filled her jar, and came up again. So if you look at this, it's very clear. Number one, she's beautiful, attractive. Two, she's a virgin. Three, no man ever touched her for anything. Never lay with a man. Four, very hard working. I caught her, I met her working hard. Now, if you look at it, there are four. If we look for more evidences about virginity and the role in, in courtship, in the book of Leviticus 21 verse 13, it said the woman he marries must be a virgin. This is a rule for priesthood. And of course, the Joseph, no wonder, was to be married to the Virgin Mary. Now, in what um, Abraham said, we will discover also that a Christian woman is not supposed to say yes for a relationship which is intended to be marriage to a man who is not born again. Same thing with a man who is born again. Must not, no matter how beautiful, how slick the woman is. Now, because a person is born again, doesn't mean that as in today's definition of born again, today Satan himself comes to church and says he's born again. I would get that now. So, but when you say born again, if you are here yesterday, I'm talking about a disciple. Somebody who has a virtue, somebody you can see in his outward appearance, the transforming power that I've worked inside, you know. Now, somebody may begin to think that, oh, but I have been this virgin, then will I be able to marry? Now, let me help you understand the New Testament balance. Because, of course, for a woman to be this virgin before marriage is a sin. But you see, in the New Testament, the Bible says that, you know, blessed is the one whose Romans um, 4, 7, and 8, whose sins have been forgiven. When you get born again, the Lord cleanses you of all your past sins, okay? And now the Bible calls those who are saints of God virgin, all right? But now that you have been cleansed and you have been made a virgin, 
That is the more reason why you must maintain yourself and maintain this balance until you marry. I will together now. That is, the, this, that is the balance of the old and the new. There are some of us who, because we are born in church, like children that were born here and raised here, those of them who obey my teaching, they are like that. Okay? But because in salvation, you know, is for people who are men have seen and for the glory of God, and some of us didn't have the privilege to be born in a church where the truth is preached, Somebody said to me before that all his life in the church, he never had the word fornication for once till he was in his late teens. So it is possible for people, because they were in saved association, they get promiscuous. And this is the reason why all parents must teach their children the importance of virginity. When I was caught, uh, in courtship with my wife, all right, engagement for before courtship, that is clear. Yes? I hope that is clear. If a man didn't engage you, there's no courtship. Yes? Good. My father-in-law told me that in, my fa- in their family, the first day you sleep with your wife, when they give you your wife, they will put a white bed sheet on the bed. Because when you sleep with your wife, you mo- they will come in and they will take that white bed sheet and they will be dancing all over the village with it. And that is what mommy read to you about the wall or the door. That my, my sister, if you are a wall, then we will, we will be honored and we will coat you with gold. But if you are a door, you are a disgrace to us. Even in native culture, virginity is the pride of the family. So and every young girl, anybody who has a girl must, must tell them from their credo so that your girls can keep themselves Another thing I would say to you, practical advice, is that you must teach your girls never to trust any boy. Alright? If you're in courtship and you have to meet your, yourselves, it should be in a place where other eyes are, not in a secret place. So that you don't create the habitat that will lure you into what you don't want. And the danger of it is that if you get involved in sex and you conceive, and you are bought, you have committed murder, not manslaughter, murder, straight away. One of our friends who was taken to heaven and the Lord allowed her to see uh, a part which I haven't seen since I've been going to heaven. She saw the part of people coming from the world and how they are welcomed. And she said, the first, if a person has committed abortion, the first people that will welcome that person in paradise are the children that person aborted. Can you see how it will be? Because you will know that you are the one who deprived them of their life on earth. They will have lived and you will see what they will have become to humanity. Some of them are anointed to salvation of many. Some of them are anointed to be very influential and all stuff like that. But if you if you abort them, you terminate God's agenda and the life of those children and allow them to enjoy their life. So it's, it's not going to be very, very, you know, um, it won't be a joyful thing where you see somebody that you, you really killed. So to avoid that also, and it's very good for you to keep yourself. Plus, there are people who went to do abortion and they died. If a Christian was doing abortion and he died, where will he go? 
You can't go to heaven because you died in sin. So, and there are many other things to consider in matters like that. I have just about uh, three more minutes. So, there are four. Um, a Christian must not marry an unbeliever. Not date unbeliever. If you call dating, dating is courtship. Okay? If you are meeting somebody in a relationship, if he didn't say he will marry you, don't put your mind there. Don't go out eating with them. You know? Oh, let's go and eat. Eat for what? You can't take a woman to eat if you don't have an intention for marriage because a good number of women will. There is a sister here. She's a great example. I won't mention her name now. Somebody said they, you know, they introduced somebody whether that person will marry her. And the person said that, uh, can we go out for a lunch? She said, if I go out with you for a lunch, what will people call me? What will that be? What will that be? If I go out with you for a lunch, what am I going for lunch for? You are not the person I intend to marry. We have not settled that we are going to marry. So they just introduced us to one another. I haven't checked whether you are the right person. So why taking me for lunch? That is a wise woman. Because if you take, if a man takes you for lunch, for adventure, there's another man who is your real person. And that person has been believing God, that, okay, for an occasion he will tell you, and he sees you with another man for lunch, that person, you will lose that person, you could lose that person for life. It has happened also before. Do we get it now? So, and I pick on what um, Zach and uh, Sister Rebecca um, said that don't be in haste and don't be under pressure. The older you are before you marry, the wiser you are. But there are some of you that God will allow to marry early. If God allows you to marry early, it is God's own will. He will develop you in it. But if you have not married early, don't worry at all. What should a person do in the days that he has not been married? You know, he's not, uh, you know, others are married by your mates, but you haven't, uh, uh, God hasn't given you one. First Corinthians seven thirty-four. He says, I read, and his interest is divided, that is a married man. If you look at from verse 33, really, so that you can complete it. But a married man is concerned about what? Affairs of this world. Uh, how he can what? Please his wife. Then, and his interests are divided. That's a married man. So if you're a married man here and you don't please your wife, may God forgive you. An unmarried woman or virgin, did you see the word virgin again? Is concerned about who? About what? About what? That's what a married girl should be concerned with. Let me help you understand this. If you truly serve God faithfully, do you think God will abandon you? No, no, answer me. Do you serve a bad God? So, that is your solace. You want secure future? It's in your service to God. And let me tell you about this service to God. If a young girl truly loves the Lord and serves the Lord, your character will be so much an aroma that everybody will wish that their child marry you. Everybody, if they find any good man, 
you are the first person who is not married. You are the first person they will want to mention. And if anybody that is useless come to you, they will say no. They will fight your cause because they know you are, you are committed to the Lord. And let me say that you can't choose wrongly. If anybody comes before you and is wrong, God will stop it. I will frustrate it. But a committed virgin to the Lord, therefore, a committed woman to the Lord, it will show in your behavior. Your, your behavior will be so transformed that it will attract the right persons. Do we get it now? So those are the key things that a, a, a person who is single should be looking into. He said, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting along in years and he feels he ought to marry, he should do so. He should do as he wants, that is to marry. He is not sinning by marrying. They should get married. So instead of burning in loss, get married. There could be a situation whereby you have met one another to marry, and you don't have money to go and rent Albert Hall, Royal Albert Hall. You don't have to. You don't have to call many people to your reception. You don't have to. You don't let the expense. Somebody has money to to spend and some to, to remain. He went to hire a hall of fifteen thousand. Look, let me say this to you: whatever you do at your wedding, how elegant it is, how uh, palacious. One week after, people don't remember anything. They don't remember it. If they come to your house in two months' time and you are living in one bedroom, that is what they will remember. You don't have a good car. You went to buy a jalopy car. That's what they remember. Whereas your 15,000, if you have, if you have reduced it to a whole of 3,000, and just invite a few that you can feed, you will have used that money to go and secure a house, a good house, or to go and buy comfort for yourself. So you need to understand this. If you are, I've told you before, don't kill yourself because you want to marry. Really, anybody who feels he wants to be invited, let them pay for their meal. Let them pay for their meal. When we got married, we made provision. But all the families, you know, you have tentacles. Every family came. They brought their own cow. They killed it. It's not my business. And they have their own tents, tarpaulin. And they brought their own uh, um, singer. And they were singing here. Uh, we singing there. They were singing. Everybody was just glashing. It's not my business. I told them, my wife and I, we will not buy you alcohol, food store. We gave them Fanta and, and Maltex. They, wherever they want to take is their business. I don't have money to waste. After we have married, the reality of life we face both of us. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or which clothes shall we wear? So, now if you look at it, therefore, the Bible says here very, very clearly... It says, but the man, verse 37, who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, has, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. That if you decide that you are not going to marry, as long as you don't torture, 
Okay? No problem. So if you look at the apostle, so then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. If, you, if a man promises a woman marriage and you sleep with the woman and you refuse to marry the woman, it will haunt you to death. That guilt will haunt, even when you are born again, the guilt will haunt you to your death. Because you lied to somebody and then you slept with the person and you took her, her virginity away. It will haunt you. That's why, Father, you are forgiven. You will be haunting you. So, therefore, Psalm 119, 911 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Seek you with all. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. But from all what we have uh, looked at today, we recognize the fact that uh, courtship does not precede engagement. Relationship of brother and sister is just normal relationship like a brother and a brother is a sister. But for courtship to commence, you must be engaged. That is, engagement, as I read to you in grammar, understanding in, in dictionary, is an agreement to marry. So when you have an agreement to marry, you know that this is the show you are going. And you can put all your life there. But let me say this to you. Also, if you make a vow and you break it, and you are a believer, you will be punished for it. So the Bible says, do not quickly make a vow. That is, don't quickly engage a person or uh, make a vow with a woman you will marry her if you make a vow to marry a woman you are dead if you if you are if you break that vow because god will punish you do we get it as we know also that before you engage a person you may know one another don't don't relate don't come too close so that you don't get your heart born into um uh, you know, loss or a soul tie that will break your heart. I've known women who are so brilliant and because they were disappointed by a man, they went into like coma. They became so dull, so depressed and all stuff like that. But it is because they have put the whole of their heart there and then, you know, they were disappointed. But if you look at the book of Gen- Genesis, you will recognize, I always say this to you, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, marriage is God's idea. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a suitable helper. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took out of the man's ribs and closed up with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman. So it means that a man is looking for his missing rib. That's why you can't open your mouth to... Uh, Toast a woman or engage a woman if you have not received from the Lord. And if a person receives from the Lord and he tells the woman, don't rush into it because it looks promising. Pray to make sure that you receive a revelation. Revelation can come by conviction in your heart. Not everybody will see trance and dreams. Okay? But at the same time, God can reveal to you by dreams. He can reveal to you by open vision. All the five realms of revelation. Go and check my tape on visions and fulfillment. 
I spoke about all the five senses of revelation. You can hear God, you can, you can have conviction in your spirit. But when you meet the person you marry, what the underlying factor, either God gave you revelation or you didn't say revelation, open vision and stuff. The underlying fact is that you will have a peace in your heart that, at last, which is not so with other people. You might have seen different people and different people have talked to you and you know you have you know related for a while and you you left. When you meet the person that you marry, there will be a complete peace in your heart. It's not going to be like someone is pushing you or that you are feeling compelled or you are being forced. No. There will be a total peace. That peace comes from God and it's a satisfaction. Are we together now? So he who finds a wife find a good thing and obtain a favor. Let me give room to three questions. How many people have questions? Raise your hand. If you have a question, where is the question? Have they written a question? They wrote questions before. Alright, do we have any question? Anybody here with a question that we have not submitted? Brother Mada, you write, you read the question. Give them to Brother Mada. Yeah? Brother Mada? So take the question, read them, and give it to us so that we can talk. Yes. One, two. What would be your response to the following scenario? A spouse wants to divorce the other based on a what? A spouse. Spouse. That is a wife. Yes. Husband or wife? Yeah, married. Yes. Wants to divorce the other based on issues that have occurred in the marriage, and is convinced that the person cannot surely be the person they should have married, and quotes the scriptures saying. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now, since they believe that it was not God that joined them together, is he or she free to divorce the other? I will just read the scripture to you. Let the Bible talk. I read First Corinthians seven twenty-six twenty-seven. Let me read from verse 26. Because, from verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give you, I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are, single. Verse 27. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for wine. So the answer is prima facie. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Dotted full stop. Your feeling, if that person says that both of us feel we are not mindful of one another, it is feeling that killed Lucifer. The person didn't say that the Lord revealed to me in an open vision. Your feeling is not God. Your feeling is your senses. Your five physical senses inform feeling. And feeling is a function of the mind, not of the heart. That person knows the truth in his heart or her heart. But he's trying to 
look for someone to legitimize evil. And that is not correct. Second question. I am over 44 years old, and I feel that they Congratulations. are Congratulations. <laughs> yes. And I feel that there are men who are looking for younger ladies. I have almost given up waiting whilst I watch others getting married. I feel I am getting old and my time for marriage is passing. Please advise. Let me say this, that that person, humanly, people will say, Oh, I attended the wedding four years ago and I announced it to you. This woman is a committed believer that she is a star known all over Nigeria or Nigeria circle because she was an actress in Agbarala Mount Zion ministry. She did not have no man ever spoke to her. Can I till the age of forty nine? Okay? No man ever people will speak to other women who she even looks at as she's more beautiful. They will not even talk to her. And let me say this to you. I attended her wedding at the age of 50, 52. The man who married her, how did they come? The man was visiting a friend, and they were discussing about this lady who is over 50 and she has not married. And they said, what's her name? And the person her name is, ah, is that Mama Matanga in Mount Zion? And the man said that God told me that is my wife. And the man is a millionaire. In pounds. He has several houses in Park Lane. <laughs> yeah, he has several houses in Park Lane. He said, Ah, God told me. He was watching the woman on television and God told him, That's your wife. And he never, he didn't know how to get to the woman. And they, God led her to where they are discussing the woman. He said, Ah, that's right. Please, anywhere she is, help me. And they connected them. The woman said she thought she was dreaming on the day we were wedding her here in London. They flew from Nigeria to come and wed in London. The man doesn't live here, but he wedded in London. <laughs> Are we talking? Uh-huh. So you know how solid the guy is. So, the scripture I read from the book of 1 Corinthians 7, it says that a virgin or a woman who is not married, should marry to the Lord. Forget about it. Any promise that the Bible makes to a righteous that you have not manifested, what do you do? Put it behind you and face God. Same thing with the person who got married and he has not conceived. I didn't have a child. Are you with me now? The solution to it is, it's just like somebody too who was very brilliant in primary school, in secondary school, and he was topping the classes in first and then university level, his parents couldn't send him to university. Those that were very less than him went to university and they got uh, good jobs and he couldn't. Because his destiny now is formed. What does he do? He admits it. <coughs> okay? If he admits it and serves the Lord, it is possible for the Lord to establish him in business. That he will not employ his mates. God has the power to do everything. The case of a woman who was barren, there is one story of a woman who was barren, I tell you. It's my daughter, my spiritual daughter. And the woman was barren, and they they came to under my apostleship for about 20 years in their marriage. Every year we are believing God for them. And one day, 
Her husband turned 50. And she was 49. And the husband invited me normally to come and preside over his, his 50th anniversary. And I got there. And the Lord said, you are not going to preach here. Open the scriptures to the book of Psalm. I said, prophesy the scripture to him. And as I began to prophesy the scripture to him, the unction came upon me. And I said, by the way, by this time next year, your Sarah will laugh. I said, your wife will carry a son, and his name shall be, I told them what the name will be. Now, let me tell you the case of the woman. When we left, in that meeting, the man came to me and said, that, Apostle Williams, I've been watching you on television, you know. You, you now said this before me. Look, I have written it down. I'm counting the dates. If this woman doesn't have, because we're sitting on the table to eat after. If he doesn't have the child, then I won't serve God at all. I said, if you don't serve God, you go to hell well. <laughs> because of one man said, you are waiting for it to happen, you go to hell. And I said that, as for me, what I said, either you are living or, or, or dead, it will come to pass. So you understand me? I don't say God said unless he says. And when I say you do, my declaration does not need your belief. I told him before everybody. And I said on that day when I will name this baby, I will ask for you. You know, when they went home, the woman called the husband and said, eh, dear, you know what daddy said? That your wife, I'm not that wife. I will marry a young girl for you. Who, they are both ministers. Who will be the wife? He said, because you know what I did to my, but my womb when I was a girl. When she was a girl, she was reckless. And then she did some stuff to stop her from conceiving. You know, like taking something away from the womb and stuff. So that that womb can never have a child. And when the husband came to marry her, she said that, this is me. I have paralyzed myself. I can't have a child. Okay? And the husband said that, I will marry you like that. So and after some years, he was saying that I feel like carrying a baby when I see women who are pregnant. And the husband said, you know that you can't have one. But without those stuff taken out of his body, her body, she conceived. And that following year, I came to name the baby. I said, where is the man who doubted the prophetic last year? Let him stand up. And the man was shaking. I said, okay, you are the one. I said, now, I am happy that you are alive. And this is the boy in my hand. Now I name this baby now because it's complete. So there is nothing. God, if we can truly serve God, that's where the problem is. If a believer will serve God truthfully, not just tell, serving, saying that I, I think I'm serving God. If you think you're serving God, you are not serving Him. A God, the God we serve is a God that reciprocates relationship. If we truly serve Him justly, He is just and faithful. He can never deny himself. It is impossible for him to do that. Do you get me now? So what we don't have on earth, as believers, we ignore it and we face the Lord completely. And if the Lord is willing, he will give it to us. That's the answer to that question. Any other question? Yeah, there is one more. Read it and you have all these. Okay, yes. Yeah, read the question, please. Read it. We will answer all the questions. Because it's now into what we are. So some of the additional questions are, is it okay for a woman to approach a man for courtship? Well, when we say, is it okay? It is a rational question which can be looked at in two dimensions. In the first dimension is the dimension of natural life. Okay? 
Is it naturally okay? Well, it looks absurd, naturally, isn't it? Because the natural nature of a woman, if a woman dances around a man, what comes to the mind of natural man is that she's just looking for someone to have sex with her, and that's it. All right? Therefore, in natural life, women do not. But if we look at spiritual life, it is not fundamental in the scripture. There is nowhere in the Bible. Everywhere in the Bible, when we talk about wife, the Bible tells the man to go and look for woman. And God is the one who said to Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. And God went and brought the woman. So if God did that in the fundamental, which is prima facie, then that is a benchmark for everybody that that is the order. And whenever a situation whereby if a woman goes to a man and then approaches a man and you marry, there is likelihood for the man when things go tough to tell you that I didn't look for you. You are the one who will follow me. Even I'm fed up of everything. But if the woman in the same way, that is the man who came, the woman can stand her ground and say that, you are the one who came for me. You forgot when you are begging. <laughs> I had to, by mercy, choose you. Now you are, you are saying that I'm getting what, you know, so. So it is not natural, neither is it, is it rational. Yes, the last question. What can someone do if there are more than one person who have interest in them, or they have interest in. We, we, we deal with it. What can one do? Pray. Pray. Let me say this to you. This evening, this afternoon, I came and I was tired. So I just said, let me study the Bible and then sleep. And as I was trying to do, my telephone rang. Now, from Seattle, my son in Seattle, Dr. Um, what is Dr. My son in Seattle, his name again? No, not Dr. Lecker, the other doctor, the civil engineer who came the other time. So, okay. He called me and he said, Apostle, Apostle. I said, Yes, what can I do for you? How are you? And also we discuss and stuff. And then he said that. You know, I'm at a crossroad. I say, you crossroad. <laughs> you crossroad. <laughs> I say, a child of God cannot cross the road. That I can cross a child of God. <laughs> I say, what is the matter with you? What is the point? Tell me, how is everything that you're dealing with you? He said that, he said, I have two offers in company. Big companies. He said, they are begging me and I must decide to deal. He said, I've been praying over it for a month, and I don't know what to do. He said, the Lord didn't speak to me and all stuff like that. And as he said it, as he was telling me about this company, and the Lord said to me that the one that used blue in his logo, who sits in the tower? He was just talking to me. The Lord said, the one that has blue in his logo, who sits in his tower? I said, okay. When he finished all his uh, predicament, I said, let us pray. <laughs> I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for direction in Jesus' name. I said, can you tell me the one among the two, whose background of his logo is blue? He said, oh, let me check it. He went to the internet, checked the first one, said, 
He said, it is this, this Spanish company. I said, yes, they have the office in the tower, isn't it? He said, which tower? I said, they must be on a multi-story somewhere. <laughs> he said, yes. He said, they are on the seventh floor. Excuse me. I am here. How can someone in my church tell me he's confused about who to choose? You didn't use the prophet. You didn't place the man on the grace. That's why you're confused. You're not supposed to be confused. Apart from Father, you can seek God and hear. You can do what I tell you. Almighty formula. What is it? Lock up yourself for a holiday three days. Pray for three days without food and water. By the time you come back, you have been better in your health because you are, all the impurities of your body have been flushed out. Taking water, you drink water, but no food. You will flush all the devils out of your body that want to make you sick. Plus, your, your eyes will open in the spiritual. God will answer you. And if you have an issue, instead of you saying yes, if I've told you in this church, if somebody comes to me and says, Apostle, I want to introduce to you my husband, I will not tell you what I say. Because what I say cannot do it. But if somebody says that somebody spoke with me, I have prayed. I have these two people, I have prayed. I will ask you, what did you see? You must see something. If you don't see something, I will tell you to, to, what to do, to go and see. Give you an exercise to go. Because in marriage matter, it is not only an outsider prophetic, but you too. You don't marry by prophets. If it is of God and the prophet spoke, you will see a bonding inside your spirit. It will be the one that your spirit is leaning to that the prophet will say. That is if your spirit is clean, not just looking for fantasy. So, a child of God in any conviction, not just married now, pray. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. At the same time, there are people who have grace among us. Let's use the grace. Let's use their grace. If you have two, three prophets speaking at the same time without knowing one another, and they are saying the same thing, you know it's God. So that's it. I have one question for my elder. Praise the Lord. Apostle, thank you very much, sir. I want you, sir, to clarify something. You said there must be an engagement before courtship. Yes. Now, general understanding, or should I say my understanding is that two adults become friends. A lady gets to meet a man. They like each other. Mm -hmm. They are in relationship, not sexually. Mm -hmm. And then once they both agree... Then the man would then tell the parent, or the lady would tell the parent, Daddy, Mommy, this is the man I like to marry. Mm -hmm. Then the parent would then say, Okay, let's get to investigate the family of the other person. Then engagement, party, engagement would then take place. Okay. That is my understanding. But you said something today that yes. debunk that for me. Yes. That there must be an engagement before courtship. That's it. Can you expand on that, please? Yes, I will expand on it. Because you are talking here, we are talking here on two dimensions. The first dimension we are talking about is the secularity of culture. That is, there is a particular culture where, you know, I also uh, hail from. Who have changed the real pattern of culture? In the real pattern of African culture and English culture, they don't do engagement before marriage. They do engagement far before. Because engagement is to say that I want to marry this woman. That's engagement. 
And then the parents must agree before such engagement is done. But you see, the one they do Yoruba land now, some people who don't know the culture that they will do engagement before, three days before marriage. That's not engagement. It is marriage you are doing already. And the issue is that many of them have been sleeping together for, or living together for 11 years before they want to come and do engagement. They are already married. Once you have sex with people, you are married to them. Because in marriage, if you do a marriage, okay, in law, and you did not sleep with that person, you can withdraw from that marriage. It's not consummated. And also in culture. So therefore, engagement from the biblical point of view and the grammatical point of view is contract for marriage. But courtship is a period of relating together for the purpose of marriage. Okay, so which means that you cannot have courtship before engagement. Engagement comes from the day you agree together to marry. If you do a ceremony, eating and dancing just before marriage, you only name it engagement. That's not engagement in the sense. That is just ceremony. Engagement came when a man engages a woman for the purpose of marriage. And that is why you have in Luke chapter, chapter uh, 1 verse 20, 27. Uh, it says, to, it, it says uh, 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 from 26, in the six months, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married. That is engaged to a man called Joseph. So engagement is a vow for marriage or pledge for marriage. And which is what is the main, it is the, it is the turning point for a man and a woman that look, once I've engaged you, I cannot go to any other person. And the families are involved. God is involved. And then we now start, you know, I can go, the woman can go now with the man for dinner, for lunch rather. But if a girl is going, they are taking you for lunch and all the time they are taking you for lunch, you become uh, free for all now. This one can't take you for lunch. That one can't take you for lunch. The lunch will not go for nothing. They will look for something there from that lunch. Isn't it? Uh-huh. So a woman, therefore, is not supposed to get involved in any intimacy relationship with any man. Uh, there, is a, there is a man that they brought the tape to me. The man has been inviting the woman for, he's on Facebook, or, or, or this WhatsApp. The woman, has been, the woman has been inviting the woman for food. All the time they come, they will eat. They come again, they will eat. So one day, the woman bought an engagement ring. And then when the man said, he will eat, the man said, every day, fudu, fudu, fudu. <laughs> he said, this is ringy. This is, oh yeah, engage, engage, engage. So, you, I, no food, fudu, fudu, I did every day. Engage me. So, <laughs> he saw what's up there. I don't know how to demonstrate those stuff, you know. But the fact is this, that... The definition of what you call engagement is what I've just read to you from dictionary. And the definition of courtship is what I've read to you. Because courtship is a period of, with the intention to marry. But the beginning of that intention is the pledge or the vow, which is the engagement. Yeah? Clear. So, but for believers, it's also the same cause. Because we saw that in the life of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus. All right. Yes? Two more, isn't it, in that place? That, you, you've answered the question in the paper. Ah. 
All right. I think God has helped us today. Just everybody to sit down. Uh, today to clarify some areas of contentions when it comes to courtship. God has helped us to understand the proper way to get into courtship. You don't marry because a prophet prophesied or because you introduced somebody. But similar, uh, 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 however, a prophet can prophesy and people to introduce the persons that people marry. All right? God used human beings to bring human beings. But the fact of it is that a child of God must pray so that you don't become, you don't fall into a wrong hand. Because let me say this to you, a person that is so bubbling, brilliant, if you make a blunder in marriage, it, sh- it shatters everything. Either for man or woman, it shatters, it destroys everything. And you know the issue is that when you get into marriage and you are married, you know, it's not easy to undo it. Both before God, it is not ideal. But at the same time, before men, it is very, very difficult because the Lord sets in. Some other time, because this is not marriage seminar. This is a men's convention. So, when we do marriage seminar, we will look detail into, you know, you know the intricacies of wanting to, to leave a marriage. Especially when you have children in the marriage. Or even if you don't have children in the marriage. What is the implication before God? What about law? If you have a house, which is your residential home, if your business is booming and you have many other things, what are the intricacies? We discover that what God has said to us is just the best thing for us to follow. We should always make sure that, you know, we, we follow the scripture to letter. But tonight, let me just give you a little update because our time is gone now and tomorrow we will do a double meeting this is how we go tomorrow quarter past seven we will start the first session which we finish at eight and then we take the second session from maybe five past eight past eight or ten past eight but there is something i want you not to forget you know, what God has been revealing to us, teaching us over this period, with this one is intermingled with, is this. God wants all of us to be happy. One of the primary purposes of salvation is to bring a man out of misery, hopelessness, into hope, into happiness. Alright? But when you come into a new government, you must always recognize that there are rules that governs every kingdom. Okay? And we have seen on Sunday from the book of John chapter 8 from verse 31 that Jesus says to the Jews who have accepted him, Jesus said, if you are really my disciples, you will do what? You will obey what I teach you. Now, having said that, therefore, we recognize again a fact that Jesus helped us know there are real disciples and there are unreal disciples. 
Now, we now delve into what can make a man unreal. Second Corinthians 11.3. And it tells us, in that Second Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion. Now, we recognize, therefore, that if any Christian is becoming apathetic about his life, about God, there is a demon behind it. There is a devil behind it. You know, when people have inspiration to do good things, and they procrastinate, I will do it, I will do it, I will do it, one year goes, second year goes, third year, there is an evil spirit behind that thought. One of the works of Satan is to paralyze every good thing in man. Intention, ultimate intention of the devil is to frustrate the man and lead the man to believe that there is no God. If you look at all the calamities the devil is doing in the world, at the, at the end of the day, it's so strange that the media people know the devil, but when evil things happen, they say it's the art of God. Can you reconcile it? <laughs> Can you reconcile it? <laughs> they know that the devil does bad, and they know that God is good. But when evil happens, they will say that it is the art of God. <laughs> it is the devil that is in business there, I tell you this. So therefore, we need to be very careful. Because God created Eve perfect in his own image. With his own hand, he made Eve. And <laughs> breathed into Eve. And Eve, the one who God used his hand to mold, who ate and dined with God, walked in and out with God, spoke, sat together and discussed. God was her playmate. God the creator. And yet, Satan deceived her. Can you understand that? So therefore, the Bible says to you and I, your enemy, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him firmly. Resist him firmly. I want you to check your lives in this season. Is there any part of your life that you have been influenced negatively? You remember any time you say, as far as I'm concerned, check it out. You are derogating from the laws of God. That's why you say that. If you are in line with God, what you will say, or you will have said, is that as, as far as the word of God is concerned, all these things come from the devil. And each time mortal man do that, they end up in an activity that will give back to regrets. Now we make up our mind together that it's high time we stopped regret all the time. We want to be in a position whereby the end of everything is joy. Because we want to watch ourselves day and night in the way we think, in the way we speak, in our activities daily. Wake up in the morning, set your agenda for the day. In the night, sit down, evaluate your life in God. Alright? And evaluate your life in your life. Following day, catch up with what you miss. Leave to the evening of the day. In God, sit down and check what you have done for that day. Because every day is worth enjoying. Because God created every day. This life is worth enjoying because it is our God who created the life, and it is our right to enjoy. But it has to be in obedience. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, or in His mighty 
power. I say in his quantum theory. Put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you can take your stand. And that Ephesians from 10, 16 says, Father says, I won't done everything to stand. What did he say? Stand firm, therefore. Come on, let's stand together now. We are going to just bless the name of the Lord for tonight. Lift up your voice and we thank God. Thank God for your life. Thank God for the things that God had taught us tonight. Our God, our Redeemer, we bless your name. Thank God for knowledge. Thank God for impartation. Father, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. Give God the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. I want you... Can you come over and carry us this service? I want you to pray for every single that have not been engaged among us. Don't worry about the age. It's on earth we count age. That God, for every man who is born again, you have a husband or a wife. Today I didn't deal with the issue of divorce. Because if you read that chapter 7, Paul made us understand that some of us Christians will be victims of divorce. That our partner will walk away off us and he will divorce us or she will divorce you. And the Bible says that a person who walks away from the marriage is an unbeliever, even if he speaks in tongues. And it says that that believer who did not break faith can remarry. Okay? But you see, when people get into marriage that the devil, the second person is a devil incarnate, they are always afraid to marry. I've met the women of them, they don't want to see any man who have suffered terribly under the hand of devils. I met the men of them, any woman that comes, they don't want to see. Because they have that in their subconscious. But you know something, I've seen a child of God, more than one really, who suffered like that, and God reestablished them with angels, both male and female. One of them really, mommy and I presided over them in, when we were in Nigeria. We're going to pray first. Everyone that are yet to be married, that the Holy Spirit will choose for them. And that God will guide them and arrange for them to meet the persons that he has ordained for them. Shall we pray? Everyone that is yet to be married, whether young or or old, Father, we pray, O God. We pray for them, Father. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered from above. 
Lord, orchestrate their fate to one another. Bring the husband to the wife. Bring the husband to the wife. The Bible says, He who finds a wife finds good things and obtains favor. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Let them find their wives. Those who are women, let their husband find them. Those who are men, open their eyes to discover the one you have ordained for them. The very bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. Let us pray for people who are growing older and older, that God will grant them patience. God will grant our single heart to serve God. To be faithful and be loyal to the call of heaven. So that nothing can deceive them. Our God, our King, we pray thee. Now let us pray for people who have been abused. And their partners walked away from them. That God will reestablish them. People who have been victims among us. You are God who sees the heart of man. According to 1 Corinthians 7, reestablish them. Father, Lord, give them a happy home. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Restore the fallen tents. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. The last prayer we're going to pray is for ourselves that the Lord will guard our hearts and minds. It is a beautiful thing to serve God. I am telling you, I know it. <laughs> it is, a, it is the, the most thing that can happen to a man is to serve God truthfully. Truthfully, I mean, with your heart. You know, I spoke about Brother Ola yesterday, who was a member of Christ with Tabernacle 25 years or 26 years ago. All right? Brother Ola was here today. He's gone now. He's just left now. And he told me he wants to share the te- his, te- his life testimony with the whole brethren on Friday. He told me something that I spoke to him 25 years ago. And that thing happened this year. He told me. He said, I must tell the church. And when that thing, I won't tell you the prophecy. When the prophecy came out to him, he said, you know, there's nothing to think about that kind of prophecy. It cannot happen to me. You know. But over the season, situation took, took place. Exactly. You know, some of that kind of thing that, I, that he's saying. It is a statement I have even made publicly. God can destroy a whole country because of one sin. I would mean that. God is almighty. He can do anything. He can change the laws of nations. Can, God can root out anything because of a sin. But that sin must be faithful. If you are fallen, you must repent and cry to God. Don't serve God because of people. 
And when he gives his testimony, many of you will, you know, some of his testimony you will, you will rejoice. Some of his testimony you will, weep, you will shed tears. And then you end up in joy. I would get that. What I teach you in this house, I beg you to obey me. <laughs> God is sweet. I want us to prove God right. Every member of this church. And when people see us, they will say that, yes, God is true because we are sincere. Another person called me when I was driving to the church today, one of the members. She will give a uh, revelation on Friday. She said, I had a dream. And I called one of the deaconesses and told her the dream. And on Sunday, we walked into the church. As we were walking to the church, the dream was being fulfilled. What I saw on the dream, you are doing it, you are saying it. He said, both of us look at us and yes, I said, have you told apostle? He said, no. But look at what he's saying exactly. Then she now had another dream. <laughs> I said, you come and tell the church. God is good, I tell you. He never owes a man. But you must be faithful and be loyal. So we're going to pray for our heart and mind. That Lord, any way the devil is oppressing me. If you have parents, pray for them. Any demon assigned to my father, my mother, my children, from myself, that could manipulate our mind and take us away from you. Father, destroy them. Cleanse our hearts and mind. Let me be me. Don't let me be influenced by evil. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Help me to be influenced by righteousness only. Father, don't let the devil deceive anybody in this church. Don't let the devil pour cold water on our hot fire. Help us, O oh God. Every evil thought comes from the devil. Every evil discussion comes from the devil. Father, Lord, I pray thee. Help my heart to produce good thoughts. Help my mind to think good things. Every friendship that will shipwreck me, cut them off my life. Any friend that will influence me to sin, Father, may you cut them away from me forever. Tell the Lord what I'm saying. Tell the Lord, assign a messenger at the door of my thoughts, at the door of my heart. Tell the Lord, make me a channel of your peace. Father, Lord, I pray thee. Pray to God, let me serve with my great gifts. Let me serve with my grace. Enable me to serve with my gift that I received from you. The Bible says anyone who uses talents, God will give him more, double. Help me to serve you with all my heart. Help me to serve you not in my own way. Help me to serve you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. Father, we bless your holy name. Now, thank God for yourself. Father, 
Obra que de cusque malere de bondos cayaramasha. Mahale bomba e bocure male bambo supragendo. Crale que gondolia mosipraga de calinda. Lord, I pray thee. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Guerra boro de se palalonda. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Lord, it was pride that entered the head of Lucifer when he beheld his beauty as the most perfect in beauty. He forgot the one who created him so. And he said in his heart in Isaiah 14, I will raise my tent above all my contemporaries this time. And I will take a seat in the assembly that I will be worshipped to. And I will be like the one who made me. And the Bible says the one who created the heavens and the earth laughs. Because he did not see all of God, he only had beauty, not power. And so the Spirit of God commanded he who is the trustee of power, Michael. And he declared a battle. And Lucifer was kicked out. Because his pride went into his head. Ezekiel 28 tells us that from verse 12. Father God, I pray, whatever you have made members of CFT, don't let it get into our head. Whatever you have made us in the secular world, whatever you have made us in the spiritual world, Father, we pray, don't let it get into our head. To the place where we cannot serve with it, because to he who much is given, more service is required. The one that God exalts should be the most humble. Father, I pray thee, all the tricks of Satan that is using today to shipwreck lives, let it fail over us. I pray for all our members globally. We have few days to end the month of power, the month of signs and wonders. Lord, I declare Exodus 34 verse 10 to be manifest. In every home of Christ with Tabernacle, in every house of Christ with Tabernacle, in every life of Christ with Tabernacle members, Lord, let that scripture of Exodus 34 10 be fulfilled in the name of Jesus Christ. That by the end of this month, Friday, when we meet, everybody will have a testimony. So shall it be. And so it is. In Jesus' anointed name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the King of heaven. Hallelujah forevermore. Please let's take our seats. Now before I hand over to for the announcement, can I ask you this? Something, uh, an information got to my hands just in the past few hours. How many of you in this church who are Nigerians, if you ever know Nigerians, have shares in Nigeria? Now, if you have shares in Nigeria, please wait and see me. Unless if you have known this, that the government set up um, a department where you can put your name and search for your name. And they expect you to do that when you put your name in it. It will bring out all your shares that you have. And it will tell you the company that is um, the broker. 
You will click that company, print out their form. You will fill all those shares. You will, you will fill your bank details in that form with your photograph. You will send it to your bank so that your bank will execute those shares so that you won't lose the shares. So if you have not known it, once we close now, just come, come here. I don't, if you see me after this service, it must be that situation only. I won't see anybody just for that situation unless somebody has said you should see me. Because it came to me and you must do it tonight. Okay, so that tomorrow you send it to you. You phone your bank in Nigeria. They will give you your email that you can send it to in Nigeria. And you can, you can scan it with the photograph and send it to them so that it gets to them before 30th. I also just heard about it. Okay. Even the shares that you may forget. Once I put my name there and they brought shares that I've even forgotten that I got. So if you put your name in there and search it, it will tell you the shares. It will tell you the company you bought the shares from. It will tell you every detail of it. And it will tell you the company that is in charge of it. So that you can put all the... Because they gave them what they call BVM number in Nigeria now. So your share doesn't have that. And this is an instruction for you to put that on your BVM number. And your bank now will be in control of it. They will, they will, you know, they will sort out everything for you. They will get it now. Yes, announcement please. Who is in charge? Amen. We're going to prepare for our offering tonight in our tithe. Amen. If you need an envelope, please just wave. The usher will give you one. If you're a taxpayer, please use the um, blue one. If not, use the green one. And there's some instructions on the board as well that can help you. Amen. If you are paying a check, please pay it to cross it up an alcohol. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, shaken together. shall men give to your bosom. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me quote the scripture here. It says, Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Hallelujah. So let's bring our tithe and our offering tonight with a grateful heart to the Lord for what the Lord has been doing for us since we start our convention. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for the revelation that we have received today. Amen. I know that it's going to change a lot of things for those who were first in courtship now that they need to go and consider once more and do the right thing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Pray over your offering tonight. Thank God for the opportunity to give. The Bible says that as we give with a good heart, you know, men, for 
with the measure that we measure, we measure to us. And when I was reading it again, that the verse that got my attention is that will be poured into your lap, meaning that promotion will come. I didn't hear your amen. Your business will increase. Hallelujah. It's what it means. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, your, your salary will increase. Hallelujah. So, so let's thank God for the opportunity to give today. Thank Him. Whatever you're doing in life, that brings income into your family or into your life. You know, thank God for that opportunity tonight. Let us pray. Please, could I ask the church to rise if you finish writing your, uh, on your envelope so that we pray together. Amen. 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 We pray together. Amen.